0: And this podcast is a recording of that session so that everyone can benefit from that knowledge. Let the knowledge flow. Ask the Dean episode 99 with my mapped team. You see in the corner there on the side, (laughs) this side, no, that side, (laughs) that side, (laughs) Uh, Varinia Granum. How are you doing, my friend?
1: Hello, I'm doing wonderful,
0: sir. How are you? I am great. Verinia, you are the former, former, former assistant of of pre-health and STEM advising at Hofstra, Um, and and now an amazing member of the MAPS team, helping us uh, help students, helping lots of students uh, live their dream of getting into med school. So thank you for being here and answering lots of questions today. Um, You can go back to the side now. I'm I'm interacting with the screens today. There I go. (laughs) Doctor Scott Wright, uh, former former Ah, director of admissions at UT Southwestern. I'm having too much fun today. Oh my god! Retired (laughs) retired executive director at TMDSAS. Wait, I keep getting. Come over here. Come over there. We go. (laughs) (laughs) We're
1: having fun today.
0: We're having a Scott's face. Uh, oh, we you. we removed. Oh, I, oh no! Stop! <laughs> One person control. There we go. One. Okay,
2: person. I'm not touching Veronica. It's all you. Add him back
1: to the stream.
3: <laughs> there we go. go. There Drag him over. Yeah, I, I, I'm doing well. <laughs> I, you know, it's uh, it's crunch time for for uh, so many students and uh, this is an exciting time of year uh, where students are getting ready and submitting and getting their stuff all together. And uh, it's an exciting time to work with them. So yeah. Yeah.
0: So so crunch time, I believe that term comes from the fact that they are writing their personal statements going, this is junk, crunch, crunch, crunch that paper and throw (laughs) it in the trash. That's crunch time.
3: That's right.
0: That's right. (laughs) All right. So now I am removed from the stream. Veronica, you should not be touching remove or add at all at the bottom. Only play at the top. That's that's where we want to play. Um, And (laughs) last but not least, we we have a new person driving behind the scenes. So it may be a little chaotic today, but we're going to have fun with it. And that is that is okay. And we just lost Veronica. Oh,
1: uh, wow. Right. <laughs> so, I'll take that over when right. she
2: figures okay. it out. We're introducing uh, me now, right? Hi. <laughs>
0: hello. 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 Um, welcome Rachel. How are you? Maps I'm Great. Uh, I'm
2: very happy to be <laughs> here. Uh and excited to do a QA. I know it's uh it's a high pressure time, so Bring us your stress and we will try to help you step back and take a breath with more information. Yes,
0: yes, yes. Yeah. Um, awesome. So if you are uh, here joining us, we are here to answer your questions. So go do that. Go, go ask questions and we'll answer them. And as we're doing that, I'll, uh, I'll load up Instagram live here. Cause I didn't do that early. So let's rock and roll. Cool. Yes. Yes. Cool. 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 <laughs>
2: All All right, right. so we can start with
0: Samaya. When are we getting a book on secondaries? Well, good news. You don't need a book on secondaries. (laughs) My application process book, which is hiding in the corner of my desk. I don't know if I can reach it. (laughs) Um, This book has secondaries in it. There's a whole chapter on it. Uh, You don't need any more than that. All right, Scott, I think, Scott, I don't know what the biggest piece of feedback that you give during secondaries, but I tell students all the time, the biggest piece of feedback that I give secondaries is ignore everything I've said about storytelling for primaries and just answer the darn question.
3: Right. No, no, I think that's exactly right. You know, it it is the issue of really evaluating what they're asking and because the secondary questions are very specific to the individual school. Uh, they're often not very long. They don't give you a whole lot of, uh, of room to talk. And uh, and so you just answer the question exactly right. And yeah. the key to secondaries is staying on top of them. Uh, yeah. I've, had, or I've had a ahead number- of them. Yeah, and that, that's what we encourage is yeah. pre-writing uh, secondaries. But, you know, I, I've talked to so many students recently who applied the last year. They got the primary in, and then the secondaries, they got overwhelmed, and they it took them a month or more to get them in, and that's just not good. And, uh, and so you know, it's really staying on top of those and really evaluating what are they asking and getting it done? I, we, we suggest a two-week turnaround time, if, if at all possible. Yeah.
1: Pre-write, pre-write, pre-write. Yep. Pre-write. But, Verinia,
0: you say that. How am I supposed to know what the schools are going to ask? They haven't sent out the essays yet.
1: Well, lucky for all of you watching and listening right now, we have a data. Base data bank of the secondaries uh, at secondaryapps.com. They don't change very much. Um, you can look them up by school and start working on um, working on those. Um, you can once you do receive them, you can tweak them if you need to. Um, but everything on secondaryapps.com is 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 probably all you need to know to work on yeah. them.
3: There you go.
0: Yep. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yep. That's what you need. All right. Mm-hmm. Let's keep a rocking and a rolling.
3: Rocking and a rolling.
0: <laughs> I don't know the rest of the song. <laughs> Neither do I. it's <laughs> that, that, a song.
3: I don't. I don't know. Yeah.
2: All right, Veronica. You got a comment you want to throw up for us? No questions.
3: The hop. At the hop, 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 hop.
2: Here I <laughs>
0: Aviana asks, do med schools take into consideration the rigor of certain universities classes and how it can be challenging to get an A at that specific university? I love this question because, uh, it, as we are interacting more with parents, uh, of high school students, this comes up all the time. Should I send my student to this prestigious university? Should I send them to this other one? <sighs> Scott, Dr. Wright, when you were the director of admissions at UT Southwestern, the Harvard of Texas, (laughs) uh, did, did your admissions committee build into their rubric or whatever you're using go, okay, they went to Harvard, let's bump up their GPA a little bit. Ooh, they went to Yale, Columbia, Stanford, let's bump up their GPA a little bit. Ooh, they majored in engineering, let's bump up their GPA a little bit.
3: Nope. No, it's and, and this is what I would say, Aviana, is that it is it is in general when you get to the level of the in my experience, when you get to the level of the admissions committee, so you've 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 had a pre screening, you've gotten invited for an interview, you've interviewed, and now you're in you're in the the, the, the final stage you're in the admissions committee meeting where they're making decisions. And, and, and in general, I think they, they often will talk about, well, this student is coming from X university or they had such and such major or whatever. And so, you know, the fact that their GPA is a 3.4 instead of a 3.6 or 7, you know, Uh, So they're going to talk about those things, but there's there's not going to be any kind of overall uh, adjustment to your GPA based on where you went to school or what you were majoring in. They may discuss it. It may be part of their decision-making process, but it's not going to be any systematic effort. So, no. The the, the answer to your question is really – the short of it is no. The short Um, of it is no. They're not going to really – um, d- do anything other than, you know, talk about it and, and have that as a part of the process.
2: Yeah. Right. There you go. Uh, Veronica, Do you find a question you want to throw up?
0: <laughs> I can keep well, helping.
2: Good. We can teamwork this. I found one I liked.
0: All right. Um, Diva asks, how are disadvantaged students viewed? So, disadvantaged students. So, so let's clarify what this means. Uh, On AMCAS, specifically on the AMCAS application, maybe a little bit on the TMDSAS application Mm -hmm. with the optional essay. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. AMCAS specifically, you can mark yourself if you want to be considered a disadvantaged student. Now, the the AAMC has some loose, vague guidelines around, well, what is... uh, considered disadvantaged and it says students may want to consider things like growing up in a, a medically underserved area needing some sort of uh financial government financial assistant like medicare medicaid or not medicare medicaid um snap WIC, those kinds of things mm-hmm. um but that that's one aspect of it and actually this is a very interesting question because just recently i was uh on reddit engaged in a conversation where a student was talking about, they come from a very religious kind of culturally um, uh, strong uh, environment where the woman, education is not like supposed to be the the woman's focus. The, the women in their culture, uh, in that religion, whatever it is, uh, are there to get married off, to have kids. And that was the household that she grew up in. And, and her parents kicked her out of the house at one point in her high school career because she wanted to go to college. She wants to become a physician. And she's like, is that a disadvantage? Should I mark myself as disadvantage?" And lots of people are like, no, that's not disadvantage. Um, it's not a financial disadvantage uh, because your parents aren't poor. Um, and I vehemently disagreed with that. I'm like, if you're raised in a household where you're told over and over and over again, that your education, your future is not important. Mm -hmm. Like that's a disadvantage that gives context to, to who you are. And so, Uh, I actually sent an email to, to a a contact that I have at the double AMC. And I was like, I would love for you guys to give more context around disadvantage and maybe do some case studies of like, what about this? And what about this? And Mm -hmm. what about this? Um, So we'll, we'll see what comes of that. But Mm -hmm. um, Scott, again, I'll lean on you from a, a former director of admissions role and, and your role as, as the kind of executive director at TMTSAS. Uh, again, from a TMDSAS aspect, there is no strict. Do I consider myself disadvantaged? But that optional essay on TMDSAS, I'm sure a lot of students use that as a disadvantaged essay.
3: Yeah, they do. Uh, they'll talk about you know because the e- the essence of the essay. There are two optional quote, quote extra essays for TMDSAS, and uh, and and yeah, I, I think a lot of times students will will talk about the context of their life and uh, and I agree with you completely Ryan that the um, you know disadvantage is a big big box and a lot can fit in that big box and so what I what I think that you know as with AMCAS same thing with TMDSAS. if you consider yourself to be a disadvantage for whatever reason then you know you you can talk about that and if the admissions committee mem- member or the admissions committee in, in, at, in at large doesn't agree with you then they'll just discount that and and they won't you know have that as a part of consideration it's not going to be oh a big red flag you know this this person is trying to be you know something that they're not, or, or they're trying to wiggle their way. You know, I I just think that, you know, you have to make that decision as an applicant and then you push forward with it and, and, uh, and don't worry about kind of, you know, if, if the admissions committee is going to discount that, then, then let them do that. But I, I don't, I I don't think that should stop you, uh, talking about it.
2: Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I wanted to add this to the stream stream. It's not, Super blown up, so it might not be easy to read. But if you look at a comus, there's a section that has background information, and this is essentially their disadvantaged area. Maybe if I do that, it be a little bigger. Um, so you can see it's just a check marks, right? And it's things like I graduated from a high school with a low percentage of seniors who receive a high school diploma. English is not my primary language. And it's, again, I know this is kind of small, but the fine print here is these things show me that you're educationally or environmentally disadvantaged. Mm-hmm. And then down below is stuff about taxes and money. So um, mm-hmm. even though a Comus doesn't have... The essay for it, it's definitely still allowing for disadvantage isn't just financial.
0: Yeah, that's no, good. Mm-hmm.
2: All right. Um, another interesting one.
0: Are there any disadvantages to applying early? So a very interesting question. So uh Verenia, talk about the disadvantages of the opposite of applying mm-hmm. late why Why do we always talk about make sure you apply early?
1: Yeah, sure, so the this whole process right at, at medical schools offer rolling admissions, so that means as applications come in, they're reviewing and they're pulling people aside, right less and less. Interview spots available less and less seats as your um, as the weeks go on. So the disadvantages to the opposite to applying late is that you are lo- lowering your chances of getting in. So I don't see any disadvantages to applying early. Mm. In yeah. this process. The early bird gets the worm.
0: Early bird gets the worm. So, Doctor Wright, I've I've had a conversation uh, with I I won't I won't name names, but a, a very prestigious director of admissions at a prestigious university um, medical school, and I've also heard from a student just recently who said the same thing. She was she was told the same thing that applying early can sometimes right that day one day two can sometimes be a bad thing. If your stats aren't amazing because it's assumed that everyone rushing to get their application in are going to be the super go-getters, 4.0s, like really strong applicants, and you may get lost in the,
3: the weeds there. What are your thoughts? So let me just say this in uh, a way that I'm trying to think of the right word to use in response to that Uh what you just said and bullshit comes up, g- comes to mind. <laughs> now we have to flag this episode. For ex- <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. Oops. Oops. It's sorry. Bull-lar-key. Bull-lar-key. <laughs> um, I I don't know who that director of admissions was, but if there are, if your process in your medical school, has room for applications to fall through the cracks, then there's something wrong with your process, not with the applications.
0: Mm, Interesting.
3: So we establish procedures and processes to evaluate and to uh, understand who applicants are, Mm -hmm. what they're, what they're all about. You're not going to get lost in the weeds uh, between all these great applicants, if you're so, I, I don't agree with that at all. I think it, I, I, I just think it doesn't work that way. And, and as I said, if if a process is so fraught with error that you lose things in the weeds, yeah. Then, then you need another director of admissions. (laughs) Okay, (laughs) Uh, interesting. The only thing that I could
0: think about uh, when I was told this, the only process that I could see where this happens, is if their system basically says, "Okay, on day one." We're gonna look at all of these applications. We're gonna take the people we want, and we're gonna throw out the rest. Day two, we're gonna take the people we want. We throw out the rest, and and they're they're filtering like day by day is the only thing that I can see that their process um, would have
3: issues like that. Well, I, and I understand what you're saying, but I, yeah. I I I think that the process presupposes that there are going to be a variety of different kinds of applicants throughout the process, throughout yeah. you know, da- daily, weekly, whatever. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, what they're not doing is saying, because what what I, I just can't even conceive of how a, a, a medical school would do that because w- what's going to happen is, yeah, maybe day one, you pick out 10 applicants out of the hundred because the, the other 90 aren't as good as those 10, but on day 15, one of those, 90 was better than any of the others that Mm -hmm. we're doing on this day. I mean, again, it just, it doesn't make sense as a, as a procedure. Yeah. It doesn't, it doesn't, you know, get the medical school where they want to go in terms of looking at, you know, good applicants and and strong applicants or whatever, you know, so I I just don't think it works that way. And it would surprise me if, if a whole lot of medical schools do it like that because they're going to end up losing people. Mm. Yeah. Mm -hmm.
0: Semri asks, my parents keep telling me to apply everywhere. That's a lot of money. (laughs) But I follow your advice on building my list. How do I change my parents' mindset? Hmm. You have them listen to our podcast. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, if if they have lots of money, there's no harm in
3: applying everywhere. Other than it's a lot of work and a lot of money. Yeah. It's a, it's a lot of money. See, and and this is what I think about that, that point, uh, the uh, summary, this is what I I think is that mom and dad may have tons of money, but you're the one that's going to have to do all the secondary applications in the summer. And if you're applying to 75 or 80 schools, you know, God help you in in the, in the summer trying to keep track of all those secondaries and when you, when you, when they're due. And I mean, logistically, it's going to be, a nightmare so you know i think an average
2: of four to five secondaries per school 80 schools 400 essays yeah
3: (laughs) and and so i think that you lay that out for your parents to see this this is what i would be facing if i applied to that many schools and uh beyond the fact that the experts at maps don't think that's appropriate or necessary you know et cetera. so but I think you lay it out not in terms of financially, but you lay it out in terms of logistics of of actually doing the work in the in the summer.
1: Yeah. Yeah. or just don't tell them where you're applying.
3: Yeah. I'm just kidding.
1: <laughs> I'm just kidding.
3: <laughs> oh, those
0: parents are like over. Yeah. over yeah. There. right. <laughs> we all know those parents. Mm. Um, we we want your parents to be the panda parents, as as we uh, have come to to right. learn that term. <laughs> All right. Lathe asks, are re-applicants given the same consideration as first time applicants? The reapplicant dreaded, dreaded myth around reapplicant. So Dr. Wright, uh, uh, Rachel, I'll pass this one to you. So so Rachel, there there's data that the WMC puts out that shows re-applicant acceptance rates are really, really low, like 20, 25 percent versus first-time applicants or just applicants in general. Uh, They don't break out first-time in in the general um, uh, data that they put out. It's like 40%. So it's lower. Mm -hmm. But the question is why? And is it just that reapplicant scarlet letter that all pre-meds think um, a reapplicant carries around with them? What's Mm -hmm. going on there?
2: Um, in a in a short phrase, lack of reflection. Mm. Um, you know, I've helped a lot of reapplicants over the years. I've seen a lot of reapplicants get in. We've got people that we've interviewed. You can watch on our YouTube channels where they applied their third or fourth time and finally got in. And when it happens like that, when it's the second or third or fourth time, the reason they get in is because they reflected and made fundamental changes. And, you know, if you're listening, you're thinking what changes I'm going to point you back to, they reflected, it's going to vary. Um, you know, the advice we give is that if by Thanksgiving, so if you're applying this year, if you're in the 22, 23 cycles, so you hope to start med school in 2023, the advice we give is that if by Thanksgiving, Things aren't looking promising. You know, you haven't. I mean, you might actually have an acceptance by Thanksgiving. That would be amazing. It, it happens every year, or at least have some good interviews. Then that's when you start thinking about what if I have to reapply because it gives you about six months to reflect and make changes and fix things. Um, and what's happening? I mean, it's happening right now. We're we're helping students, and we're still happy to help them. But lots of people are coming to me and going, "Well, I'm still on a waitlist." Or I finally gave up hope and now I'm ready to reapply this year. And then they don't have any time to make changes. Um, So if your issue is lack of clinical, you might need one or two years between when you apply and reapply to go get more clinical. Um, If your issue is your essays, yeah, in theory, you can fix that in one summer, but then you actually have to rewrite your essays. And so often what I hear from reapplicants is, well, I'm not worried about my essays. I already wrote those like, yeah, but if you didn't get any interviews last year, then something might have been wrong with them. Um, so really just it's reflect, reflect, reflect. You need to analyze your application in depth. You need to consider, you know, either watching some application renovations or maybe book a session with us so we can pour through it with you. Um, or, or some other advisor, it doesn't have to be us, but talk to some experts who can help you see what changes need to be made. And then don't apply until you've made those changes.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
2: Tough love from Ricci. Yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> but it's needed. It is needed. Hila, Healy asked, should you apply early with the old bad MCAT? I retook my MCAT second time in April, and I'm waiting for my score. Verenia, there's always lots of fear around applying early with that MCAT on there that you wish you didn't have to mm-hmm. submit to the schools um, while you're waiting and hoping for a much better score to come along uh, on the application. You say, Hey, I have a score pending. Mm-hmm. What, are, what are schools doing with that information?
1: They're just going to wait for your uh, second score. Um the benefit of applying early, even if it is with a bad score, outweighs waiting for the score, depending on when you're going to get your score, right? Yeah. Um. So, go ahead and apply. You're going to indicate that you have a pending score. They're not going to look at your application until that score comes out, so you don't have to worry too much about your old score. Yeah. Um, just get yourself in in the queue to get verified. Yep. That's yeah. the priority.
0: Yeah. And- and the, the key thing here is she retook her test in April, meaning her score is going to be back by yep. the time med schools even look at her application. Yeah,
1: yep. that is yep.
0: true. So.
2: Yep. Yep. All right. Well, I have a comment I want to pick if that's OK, because it's so happy.
0: Yeah. yeah. Yay, Dan. Yay.
3: Yay.
0: <laughs> Woo-hoo! Um, so Dan says, I'm here to say thank you and goodbye. Uh, thank you for all the advice and encouraging words, Dr. Gray and Dr. Wright and Veronica and Rachel, uh, Verinia and Rachel. Um, uh, uh, Dr. Wright gave me during my interview prep. My cycle has finally come to an end. This fall, I'll be attending UCLA David Geffen School of Medicine. Never in my wildest dreams would I think this would happen. Wishing the MAPS team all the best. So That's awesome, Awesome. awesome. Yeah. Cool for you. I'm so excited
1: for you. These are the yeah. good goodbyes. Yeah.
0: <laughs> Yes. i love it i love it yes and and hopefully dan uh, mapped will kind of grow with you so we have yeah. plans for mapped to grow with you as a medical student as well so
3: maybe not a goodbye forever see you but later.
0: A goodbye for now yeah yeah see you
2: later. <laughs> it's time to plan for residencies
3: that's <laughs> right that's right that's awesome
2: i'm
3: excited that is awesome
2: <laughs> oops where'd it go oh comment was just a quick flash. Can we have it back? Yeah.
0: <laughs> Veronica has a a, a, a a very happy trigger mouse finger. Uh, what is, <laughs> Sean asks, what is the role of rec letters in the grand scheme of things? Should I be worried if they are not stellar? So letters of recommendations. Uh, Dr. Wright, I'll, I'll hand this one off to you. Um, can a letter of recommendation make or break an application?
3: Uh, I would say that, that a letter of recommendation could break an application. It probably won't make an application. Okay. Uh, I would say that letters are traditionally strong. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, some letters come in and they're not. You know that they, they don't. It's clear that they don't really know the student that well, and they're just kind of basing it on what their experience with them was. Uh, but most, I would say, most letters are are, are good to great. Um, it's very rare to get a bad letter. Um, I mean, super rare to get a, a bad letter. Uh, but if a bad letter did come in, that could cause some real problems. Yeah. So I, I would say, to, Ishan, to your question, the role of the letters is variable. Um, and uh, should you be worried? No, I don't. I don't know how you would even know if the letter was stellar or not because you, you know, m- the vast majority of students waive their right to even see the letters, and so, mm-hmm. um, so. But I, I you know, I, honestly, if you know the recommenders. You've asked professors that you know, or supervisors, or doctors, or whatever. Then I, I would say that the chances are pretty good that they're going to be a good letter, and it's gonna it's going to uh, just uh, fall in line with every with other things in the application where the admissions committee is looking at it and saying, okay, these are good letters. Or you know, often what I would, in my experience, what would happen is that an an admissions committee member would say, oh, this this letter is um, uh, unusually strong. Mm. Uh, It's clear that they really know the student well, and they really talk about them in in very effusive terms and, you know, et cetera. And so is that going to make that application? No, it's going to fall in line with everything else that we know about the applicant. Uh, so you know, so I, I would say the role, can, the role of letters is, is is variable depending on the letter, but um, yeah. I, most of them are, are are good good letters.
0: Yeah, Scott, let me let me ask yeah. you this question. Um, in Application Academy yesterday, I had a question. A student was was given a letter uh, by the doctor um, that was writing it. And, and sometimes that happens, right? Mm-hmm. The doctor is like, okay, mm-hmm. here's here's the letter that I'm going to yeah. submit. What do you think?
1: Yeah.
0: Uh, and y- you can't control that. Right. Um, but the student is a little bit concerned because English is not this physician's first language. And the grammar in the... Letter is not the best. And the students really concerned should I go to the doctor and say, hey, can you fix this? Should I not? Um, and, and my basic advice to her was like, look, sh- 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 this doctor is not the first doctor in the world that English is a second language. Um, as long as the, it, the message comes across about your traits, your qualities that they're trying to get across the reader is going to understand and go, Oh, English is obviously not this person's first language. That's fine.
3: Right. No, I agree with that completely. I don't, I don't think that the, that the medical schools are going to hold the applicant responsible for bad grammar in a, in a letter. Uh, I've seen letters. I I, I've seen letters that come from a different country Mm. and are written in some other language and then translated uh, into English by wow. a friend or whatever to, to show, you know, cause maybe the student is from a different country or maybe mm-hmm. they did a study abroad and, you know, there's a lot of different ways. So I, you know, to, to your point no I don't, I don't think that the medical schools are going to hold responsible and, and I would, I would say just, um, n- not even worry about it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs>
0: Chrissy asks, I'm a very nontraditional applicant. I got my associates in radio, uh, radiography and took boards for x-ray, mammography, DEXA and CT, and a BSRS. Uh, what challenges will I face along the process? So I want to first ask, Chrissy, why do you assume there are going to be challenges? Right. That's a very interesting way to ask this question. Mm-hmm. Uh, Varinia, non-traditional applicants. Mm-hmm. Challenges?
1: No different than any other pre-med. Yes, potentially if you have family responsibilities or, you know, things that take up your time. And so it takes away time from other things, balancing that um, it, potentially. But But just looking at this information, we can't really – say that you're going to have challenges i don't know if you have the prereqs if you you know how are your grades all that um but no 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 different than a quote-unquote traditional applicant
0: yeah um ageism right uh is a thing it's illegal. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. uh, but right, humans are humans, and they, they may look at an application and go, wow, that, these activities span a lot of years. Uh, I could only assume that this person is 40, 50, uh, maybe older, um, right? You, you can't avoid that sort of bias, unfortunately, mm-hmm. no matter what it is, whether it's uh, age bias, or you talk about some sort of uh, mental health stuff or other stuff uh, on your application that someone's going to read and go yeah i don't want to deal with that um it's just it's just part of the it's part of life right it's just mm-hmm. interacting with other people who will judge you for who you are um unfortunately
3: mm-hmm.
0: but yeah yep. N- non-trides are awesome we like non-trides
2: mm-hmm. yep indeed we do
0: indubitably Healy again. Uh, Should I only submit my application to one weed out MD school to get my application verified? So this is kind of a follow-up to our other question uh, of uh, submitting while waiting for the MCAT score to come back. Again, if you took your MCAT in April, your score is going to come out, so you can just wait until your score comes out to submit. So yeah, yeah we can move on mm-hmm. from this one. Miriam mm-hmm. uh, asks providing respite to your neurodiverse slash disabled sibling. Can we put that in the volunteer or clinical experience? Rachel, what do you think about this? This comes up a lot caretaking for a sibling or, or family member.
2: Yeah, I absolutely think that you should count it because it is caretaking experience. It is, its It matches the definition of clinical, which does not have to be in a clinical setting. It just has to be directly helping a patient in the way related to their health. What I caution you against is having family be your only clinical. Um, We we often have said it's one thing to care for your grandmother, or in this case, your sibling, and quite another thing to care for someone else's grandmother or sibling. So yes, count it. It's, It's valuable and probably very meaningful to you. And also go get some clinical where you're working with strangers. Yeah.
0: The AAMC themselves, if you Google like uh, clinical experiences for med school, the AAMC has a blog post about uh, clinical experiences and caretaking is one of them. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Mahogany, what a great name. Uh, Would would getting a letter of recommendation from a nurse be a good idea? I work closely with nurses as a PCA, and I feel like the charge nurse I work with could positively attest to my patient care slash clinical experience. Dr. Wright, uh, former director of admissions at UT Southwestern. Did I mention the Harvard of Texas? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> um a letter of recommendation a student's applying to medical school and the nurse writes a letter that says hey Mahogany's a great student very compassionate very caring will make a great doctor versus a doctor saying hey this person will make a great doctor do you see any issues with that
3: no um i i think that uh you know uh I think that to have from the charge nurse uh, that this is a a great uh, applicant, that they really work well with patients and, you know, et cetera. I think that's a great letter to have. Mm -hmm. I wouldn't worry about it that it's not from a doctor. Um, I've seen a lot of of nurses. I've seen a lot of PAs, uh, you know, other healthcare professionals write letters. Now, the other option is – if there's a doctor that you work closely with or that that nurse works closely with and everything you could, you could ask the nurse if she would be, he or she would be willing to um, write a letter, co-write a letter with, with a a doctor. Um, Now, if that's not possible, then I wouldn't, I wouldn't worry about it. The fact that it's coming from a nurse that it's going to be disregarded or something like that.
0: Yeah. Got another comment for us? Yeah. Jake asks. I've been a licensed practical nurse, an LPN, since 2019, and I'm currently approaching my last year of college. Would my clinical experience from being a nurse be a good thing to highlight on my application? So let's uh, first roll back. Uh, let's let's ignore the LPN part. Uh, everything that you do. <laughs> Uh, should be highlighted, uh, should be put on your application. Unfortunately, MCAS only gives you 15 spots, so you may have to uh, uh, drop some smaller things maybe or combine some things as best you can. Uh, but the clinical experience of being an LPN is phenomenal, right? We want premeds to get clinical experience in whatever form that looks like. And being an LPN is a great thing. Mm-hmm. Now, what I caution you, Jake, uh, to do is forcing this like, oh, I've been an LPN. Look at how amazing I am. Look at all these clinical skills that I'm already bringing to the table. That's the, the kind of highlighting you don't need to do. Just talk about being an LPN, uh, yeah. how you impacted uh, your patients, how that impacted you. Um, just highlighting it in that way. Great. Absolutely uh shoko uh i had a bad semester fall of 2020 and have also transferred schools the semester after the spring of 2021 should i treat my senior year as a post back? and how is transferring factored into applications rachel this is a interesting kind of finagling of schools and things what do, what do you think here
2: yeah um I mean, if you had one bad semester, I, I'm not sure that you need a post Like you said, it's actually your senior year. Um, so, Shoko, when we talk about grades, uh, med schools obviously look at the cumulative grade, which is usually undergrad and post Grad GPA is separate. Um, if you had one bad semester, obviously you need to reflect and do better, and maybe transferring was part of that reflection. Um, but transferring schools is very normal. Uh, that's not going to cause a blink. Um, you know, we've seen non-traditional students who went to six or seven schools maybe because they were, you know, in the military or married to someone who was moving. So, so especially just one school, no one's, no one's going to even notice. Um, and then when you say treat your senior year as a post back I guess, I don't know what you mean because post can be a lot of things they can be for career changers. They can be grade enhancement. Um, I mean, it sounds like maybe you're talking about grade enhancement, but, you know, again, without seeing your full mapped profile with all your coursework and detailed trends, I'm not sure I really know how bad the problem is. Um, But but yeah, I mean, if you're still in your four-year experience, so you're still under whatever original tuition and hopefully scholarship and aid you're getting, then yeah, use that time to get as many prereqs completed as possible and reflect and make sure that you're getting better grades and fixing whatever happened with that semester two falls ago.
0: Mm -hmm. Yep. Yeah. Aboot asks, struggling with writing the activities and personal statement? We can help with that. Uh, What do you recommend? Also, can I include hours from high school and anticipated hours next year in the activity section? So high school, we typically say no, right? You should not include high school unless it's something that you carried over into college potentially. Anticipated hours. So let's let's uh, make this big announcement here. Amcast has updated uh, their software, their platform for this new application cycle that just opened up, the, the 2022 to 2023 application cycle. They now, uh, instead of just a general start date and date hours where they tell you to uh, kind of estimate out those hours, they now have a completed hour section. And an anticipated hours section. So, no more estimating, guessing what's going on. You just put in what you've done. It won't let you. So, right now it's May 2022. It won't let you put in June 2022 in the completed hours section because June hasn't happened yet, unless you're in the future. Um, and then the anticipated hours is there. Mm-hmm. Vernie, is someone struggling with their writing uh, activities, personal statements uh, besides some pretty great books that, uh, that we have here? Um, what are your thoughts?
1: Yeah, no, that, that would have been my first suggestion. Pick up a copy of the personal statement book. Um, we have tons of resources also on YouTube videos about uh, that. You've uh, released about that too, but um, think about, the whole goal of the personal statement is just to answer why you want to be a doctor. It's not a list of what you've done. It's not a list of your skills. Um, So just tell that story. What got you interested in medicine? What, what activities have you done? Maybe one or two that kind of reinforced um, why you're doing this for you uh, for yourself. Um, And that's it. Address that in your personal statement, Um, but definitely pick up, or look into getting a copy of the personal statement book. Uh, we do offer essay review as well, essay feedback. Uh, you're welcome to look into that if that would help as well. Yeah.
0: That's or it. even a one-time call, like if you're really yeah. struggling. Like I don't even know where to start. Where to start? Jump Absolutely. In. Yep. Bueno, bueno. Genesee asks, how does it look if multiple activities all start around the same time? I don't want to have it seem like checking off boxes when changing to working nights opened up my days for other opportunities.
3: Dr. Ray, what do you think? How does it look if multiple activities all start around the same time? I don't want to have... hmm. Well, uh, you know, I, I mean... If you started the activities around the same time, then that's what you say. Uh, you know, I I don't know what the option is if that if that's the reality of what you did. Then what's the option? I, I don't understand what
1: mm-hmm.
3: what you would do otherwise. So it is what it is. You know, and if it looks like checking off boxes, I you know just just because it looks that way doesn't mean that's that you're going to be disadvantaged necessarily in the process. Uh mm-hmm. I mean they're going to look deeper and see, you know, other things and they're they're looking you know holistically at the entire application and, and stuff like that. So but but I would say don't you know don't really worry about it. Yeah. <laughs>
0: Sophia asks I am reapplying how different does my personal statement need to be from last year since my seeds didn't change also does it look bad if I'm getting different letters of rec from last cycle the dreaded how much does my personal statement have to change question Rachel we get this question a lot right a lot what are your thoughts
2: yeah, well, I touched on it a little bit before. So I had said one of the issues that sometimes happens with um, with reapplicants is that they don't rewrite essays. Mm-hmm. Now, that doesn't mean that you always have to every time. Um, so to your point, I mean, it sounds like you kind of follow Fia the way we write, right? We believe in storytelling. We like to talk about seed and watering events. Um so to to your point, probably your stories are the same. What you may need to be doing is reflecting on how tightly and well constructed is that essay. Um, one kind of good rule of thumb is to read it out loud to yourself or to a friend. Um, if you if you stumble a lot while reading that, then um, Maybe it's too formal. Maybe it's too long-winded. See how it sounds. It should more or less read the way you talk. Um, We already plugged the fact that we have essay advising services, so we've mentioned that, but I know that that's not something that is affordable for everyone. Um, But it it is good to get... A second or third set of eyes. I don't think you need 10 people looking at it because then you're going to get 10 different points of view and you're going to write an essay by committee. Um, but when you're looking for people to help you pre write, one option is just fellow pre meds. Like in our um, Facebook group, the Pre Med Hangout, there are lots of people doing free swaps for essay review right now. Um, so, you know, peers just helping peers. Um, and, and that's it's really a personal thing, right? You kind of have to decide. Um, how strong it is. Another thing is you didn't talk about how your reapplication went. If you got tons of interviews and then didn't get accepted, probably your essays are fine and it's an interview problem. If you didn't get any interviews, now that doesn't mean your essays were the problem, but it means you should at least consider if they need reworking. Uh, I hope that helps.
0: Yeah. And yeah, right. We, we talk about the personal statement being the story about why you want to be a doctor that typically is not going to change from year to year, right? The seed as we call it uh, kind of what uh, exposed you to healthcare in some way uh, Mm -hmm. isn't going to change from when you were five years old or 10 years old or whenever it was. So yeah, that part may be the same, but maybe you have an experience, a different experience that you've received over the last year. You were able to, to uh, experience over the last year that, that may you you may want to swap out for another experience and we've grown as a person over the years so our our Mm -hmm. language may be a little bit different how we speak may be a little bit different so go back in and massage as much as possible um maybe not copy paste exactly the same exact essay but massage but the stories are probably going to be very similar yep yep Who's this McKenna person? I had a scribing experience that made a huge impact on me. I know we aren't supposed to put shadowing type experiences in the PS personal statement. How strong do you advise against it? I have a patient experience too. So Dr. Wright, uh, This is one of my kind of Dr. Gray made up rules in the world of personal statement, writing that shadowing experience in my mind, typically don't do a great job of showing the reader the the student typically shadowing experiences are i saw dr smith do this i saw dr smith do that i saw dr smith impact the patient i want to be like dr smith therefore i want to be a doctor and to me that's just not a very strong like sentiment of show me why you want to be a doctor show me your interaction with a patient and i also call scribing basically shadowing on steroids so that's where this question is coming from what are what are your thoughts here
3: So I think it depends a little bit on the situation, Uh, and I'll give you an example. I I had a a student recently who, in their personal statement, was talking about a um, a shadowing experience, and uh, it was shadowing at an ophthalmology clinic, and the particular patient was going to have to get this sounds awful to me, uh, injections in their eyeballs. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, I, I can't even imagine. So, but what happened was <laughs> So what happened was the, the student, the, the, the patient, look and the student was shadowing this doctor. The patient looked at the at the shadower, at the student, and said, Can I hold your hand? Yeah. And and so it was, it all came out of this experience of the, 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 the student being sort of pulled into a more active role yes. in the, in this experience by holding the patient's hand. And, and it led the students to talk about in their personal statement the importance of compassion, the importance of touch, mm-hmm. and, and how meaningful that was to that particular patient that she, you know, and, and, and so, I don't feel as strongly about this, I think, as you do, Ryan. I, I think that. Um, well, I,
0: I think we would agree on that specific encounter because right. as soon as there's an active role, to me, that's not shadowing, right? Right. right. Yes, it, the student was there because they were a shadow, but as soon as there was active participation, then then it's
3: fair game, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. But but I I think that there is a there is validity to a student talking about a shadowing experience where they were, you know, just really bowled over by what the interaction looked like between the doctor and the, and the patient. And right. I, again, I think it, it, it goes back to reflection. Yeah. why was this why was this interaction that i witnessed so impressive to me why did it mean so much to me why did it really solidify that this is the right path for me you know maybe they're shadowing and and the student talks about how uh you know they they followed the doctor around for a couple of days for 8 hours a day and they didn't realize all of the administrative stuff that doctors have to do. And, and it really opened their eyes to, you know, that it's not just all about walking into the patient's room and dealing with the patient, but there's this, there's this whole set of other things that doctors are consistently doing, whether it's battling with an insurance company on the phone or whether it's, you know, typing in stuff or whatever. Uh, so I, I, I think there is a validity to, uh, to some experiences of shadowing. I don't, I, I do agree that I don't think that there is strong typically as a clinical experience where you are being more active and can talk about that.
2: Yeah. Okay. And McKenna did chime in that hers also involves handholding. So it sounds like oh, she, yeah. she may have a good exception
0: to the rule. <laughs> yep. And, and when we say rule, right again, this is mm. fake made up Dr. Gray rules that <laughs> right. a lot of right. people are, are talking about.
2: Yeah it's a philosophy you can find other philosophies <laughs> out there <laughs> mm-hmm. all right well it's one minute to the hour so i think that wraps us up
0: Yay. awesome i was i was after you said it's a philosophy i was gonna say it's a motto <laughs> what's a motto <laughs> nothing what's a motto with you <laughs> <sighs> <Awesome. laughs> gotta love some lion king quotes in there having kids <laughs> right yep. right for any, having
1: yep. kids kuna <laughs> matata <laughs> well, also i to say
2: uh We had a ton of questions today. Didn't get to them all, of course. Mm -hmm. Um, Friday, you can find Dr. Gray. Oh, actually, wait, maybe not this week.
0: (laughs) Yeah, probably not this
1: week.
2: (laughs) Okay. Uh, Next Wednesday, we'll be back um next friday will be instagram live q a with dr gray at 11 a.m on over there and you can always sign up for a session of advising if you want 45 minutes to just pick our brain uh ceaselessly for that period so yeah uh, keep asking we'll
0: keep answering do yeah. do we, we want to tell people why i'm not going to be there instagram live on friday yeah because i'm gonna be hanging out with you rachel for the first time ever Ooh. in person <laughs> woohoo yeah. Uh, so that will be fun. I'll be hanging out in Columbus. I'm going to wear my Gator shirt around campus and uh, oh hopefully gosh. nobody, <laughs> at least it's not a Michigan shirt. Come on. Yeah. I right, yeah, right. wouldn't Michigan, do that. <laughs> All right, everyone. Thanks for hanging out have a wonderful day. We'll see you soon. Bye-bye. Take care. Bye. This is Dr. Gray again, closing out. I hope you learned something from our session today. If you haven't yet checked out mapped, I invite you to try it for free for two weeks by going to mapped.com slash podcast track and navigate your journey to medical school using the only tool like it for pre-meds we'll see you next week here on ask the dean